Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by CoBabble. CoBabble is a new platform that aims to help you digitize your business. Simple to use, massively powerful, and guaranteed to bring your paper-based archaic processes into the digital age. Leverage technology already in your employees' hands, their smart devices, to help streamline processes, share information, educate, and train your workforce. Whether you have paper-based checklists, forms, or audits that need digitizing, are looking for a better way to communicate with your teams, or are looking to replace your existing system with one that is far more cost-effective, CoBabble is the tool for you. Check out CoBabble.com for more information to request a demo or sign up for a free trial. CoBabble, your digitization partner. Hello, and a very warm welcome to this episode of Swanglinese. Thanks for tuning in. In the virtual studio this week, I have the pleasure of Elena in with me, and I'm really looking forward to speaking. How are you, Elena? How are you doing? Thanks. Good to be with you. Very exciting. Doing well, thanks. Good, good. Glad to hear it. So as with all our guests, what we like to do is to ask you to wind the, the timeline back a little bit and, and tell us a bit about your journey, really, having where you started and having got to where you are now with Besson and stuff. I think we're going to talk about that in a lot more detail, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, later on. But we always like to go a little bit further back and again, go as far back as you like, just in terms of how you got into what you're doing, where you started, and perhaps more of a focus on that transition of having done stuff for other people to now doing things for yourself. So over to you. Thank you. Um, so if we're to take my story back a little bit to um, where I come from. So I'm actually originally from Russia. I moved to the U.S. with my family at the age of 13. Um, spend the majority of my schooling, of course, here. I've actually started my career in higher education and learning and then kind of transitioning towards corporate learning and then into business as well. And interestingly enough, when I moved to the States, I never really, I wasn't really sure if I really found myself here. It gave me a lot of opportunities for education and growth and career, but I always knew that there's going to be my next stop. Like I just Mm. felt like this wasn't going to be it. So that opportunity came up in 2014 and I... I don't even know how Dubai came on the radar. I think that's when Dubai started doing really good marketing. Um, you know, like right around kind of the first time I visited was 20, 2009. Um, and that's when Dubai kind of really started kind of on a global scale. And um, and so I always knew I wanted to go to Middle East. And I was actually looking at Saudi and Dubai. So 2014 came around and um, I actually got a job offer in Saudi, but then uh, for personal reasons, I've decided to make a shift into Dubai. And I said, listen, I'm going to stay for a year or two years, and then I'm probably going to go back to the U.S., just like everybody else in Dubai, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so eight years later, it's almost, it's going to be eight years uh, in the spring. So eight, almost eight years later, still in Dubai, kind of now between U.S. and Dubai at the moment, but um yeah so so that that's kind of the story in terms of um, how I ended up in Dubai I've started working in different organizations institutions in the UAE and then of course jumping into um uh, my own thing in 2019 Mm. Um, but having done a lot of other things prior to which I'll I'll talk a little bit more about but uh yeah Yeah. so that's kind of yeah 
It was a very familiar situation, same as me. I was only supposed to be in Dubai for six months and then 16 years later, um, still there and doing things and, and thinking, hang on a minute, I'm sure this wasn't the plan. But it's, it's that kind of place as well that you, it, it sort of, it hooks you in. And then once you're there, you kind of say, you know what, there's a lot of opportunities here working for people, but then also um, for, for, for people like you and I and, and lots of other people saying, I wonder if there's something I could do here around this area. Now, you said you started out in higher education um, and, and, and how, how did that sort of evolve? Was that something that you'd always wanted to get involved with? Is that what then was there an opportunity in that industry that brought you also to the Middle East? Um, uh, so yes, and um, it, it was something I, I transitioned to. Um, so I used to work in higher education uh, in the in the US, and then one of my first jobs in the UE was also in higher education as well. Right. So it kind of helped me because I had that experience. How I ended up in higher education was by accident. Um, well, I don't know. Looking back, it's probably not an accident. Looking back, but. Let me just tell you that I had no idea what I wanted to do, what I wanted to study. I remember I was in my career counselor's office at 19. And we in the U.S., of course, you have to choose a major at, at some point, like in the first couple of years of your college studies. And so, and the, you know, he was asking me, he's like, well, what do you want to do for your studies? And, and like, what do you want to work? And I was like, I have no idea. You're asking me something. I'm 19. I've never, I've, I've worked since I was 15, but I was like doing subway and, uh, you know, yeah. waitressing and working in hotels, like random jobs. I didn't have like a corporate job ever, or even mm -hmm. had exposure to that. And, and I was like, I have no idea what I want to be and what I want to do. So I thought it was a ridiculous question to ask a 19 year old. I still do, by the way. Um, but um, there's a so there's a reason I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing today. And part of it is because of this experience. So, sure. so all and he was like, what do you like to do? And I said, well, I enjoy um, talking to people. I want to do something where I can add value and help people. I like to travel. Um, I want to do something with cultures. That was a big thing for me. Um, I'm an expressive person, so I like to read and write and talk. So, and, and obviously, there's no major in that. And mm. I'm, you know, I didn't want to become a professional writer or something like that. wasn't a thing either. So, so then I tried five different majors. Uh, took me six years to graduate from my bachelor's. In fact, I've tried five different majors. Went for a finance degree at first in accounting because you know that's where the money is at, or at least yeah. at that time, right? That's where everybody was saying like <laughs> you'll always have a job if you have a finance degree. And then I went into graphic design because that was a cool, trendy thing. Obviously, completely failed in all of the different majors, hence why I kept changing them. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, I ended up with international relations because that felt like, I was like, oh, it felt like something that's relatable. It's, you know, I, I learned about cultures. I got to travel. I got to, like, do study abroad. So it was, it was kind of, you know, interesting to me. And then I said, okay, maybe I'm going to go to the UN. I'm going to change the world and da, 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 and do all that. I realized that that's not an area I want to go to because not much happens in that side of things mm -hmm. after what I found out. It takes a long time and I'm not a person. I need things and I need results now. I don't want to wait 20 years to see an impact. To see something. it, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I admire what they do. You know, it, it, it's fine, but it just wasn't for me. So then uh, working on campus during my bachelor's and then my master's studies, I realized that I really enjoyed working with international students. So that was kind of my entrance into the higher education because I got to work with international offices. I then um, joined a university here where I worked as an international recruiter. I got to travel to, four, I think, 14 different countries, I want to say at that time. Maybe it was a little bit, a couple less then. But I've, I've traveled to a lot of countries for work recruitment specifically. And right. that to me was like, OK, this is awesome. And then I kind of ended up doing other things and um, 
and, and through conversations that I've had with, with students and parents as I was kind of working on campuses was that at the end of the day, it just comes down to, you know, helping people figure out what's next. Like, what do they want to do? Right. And that's how I got into the career development piece in universities. And um, so that's kind of how my, my, my journey started. And a, a part of it, again, is because I didn't have very good career guidance when I was at the university. And, I've, and by the way, it, the things are done the same way still today, imagine, right. in university yeah. campuses. So and, I, and, and this is one of the like problems I'm trying to solve as well. And um, but anyway, so so that kind of attracted me to say, OK, well, I'm going to work with university students. I got to travel. I got to learn about different cultures. I got to talk to people. And um, and yeah, so it kind of aligned with what I wanted to do when he asked me, what would you like to do? But there was no major that 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 I could I essentially see. choose. So. Um, so, yeah. And then I, that's how I kind of when I went to UE also, I was working for a university when I first arrived before making the jump to my own thing. So I see. OK. And how long did it take? you then because this is always an interesting uh part of the journey i find in terms of once you're in and, and doing something you're working for something you enjoy the job it's something that you're saying you know what well, this actually you know you ticks all my boxes i'm happy with this how long was it when you started to think you know what i think i can do or was it a case of i think i can do something better or was it a case of actually i just see a gap in the market that i can really fill from that moment how long did it take you to say right i'm jumping ship and i'm going to go and do it Hmm. So, uh, interestingly enough, as much as I loved higher education as the industry and from a business opportunity perspective, I didn't want to work at a university any longer. So that was one. I, I knew I didn't want to be in education because same thing with why I didn't really want to go into the UN. There's too many bureaucracies. Change takes too long. And it's to make an impact, it takes forever. And in traditional big universities, big names, you know, more power to them, but change takes too long. And there's too many uh, traditional ways of doing things. And it's too many policies and politics that are involved. At the end of the day, it's still a business, but it's a very slow moving business. So I knew I didn't want to be there forever. And, um, and, and I also kind of was looking at, okay, now that I've, you know, I've explored, you know, working with high school graduates to university students to then also MBAs, so more like mid-level professionals, the natural transition from that was to go into corporate learning. So I said, I really want to look into how I can essentially look for a career change. And what I enjoyed really is the learning aspect of it as well, because there was, there's such a, I mean, listen, there's such a huge disconnect between university and corporate life. And then you realize that, that disconnect continues throughout the corporate life. So I said, okay, well, it kind of makes sense if I just kind of go up this way and see how I can help people that are already working professionals and help them find find the change that they look for. Yeah. Um, and so I went into corporate learning. I went into kind of learning and development. At the same time, I was doing like side gigs. So I was doing a lot of okay. freelance and side gigs. Um, and self-education and just getting that volunteer, even the volunteer experience, like trying to get any experience I can to get into that learning and development piece. And so that's how I kind of transitioned while I was still working in a university. And then I realized that because I went so hardcore on educating myself, on taking the right kind of, also I've taken some studies within the field and certifications and getting that experience in a pretty fast way, I realized that there's a lot of value I can bring because just as university in universities, a lot of a lot of systems we have in place today for learning and development in organizations are quite generic. They're quite um, 
you know, cookie cutter approach that doesn't always work. And so, again, we're talking about these big corporates, right, that kind of have the structure. And it's very difficult to make different changes. Yeah. So then I was like, this is interesting. And at 20, in 2019, when I left the university I was working with, I was at a good place at that time in terms of being able to monetize on my own and kind of be able mm-hmm. to have clients and et cetera and do a little bit of consulting. Um, so I felt comfortable to make the jump. At the same time, a friend of mine, uh, Ivan Palamino, who is my, my business partner and co-founder of Western, has also left his job, but he left his corporate job. So he was working in a very commercial space in a big multinational. Um, he had a really senior role covering different parts of the Middle East. And so he left for different reasons. And I can go into our kind of stories later. So we decided that with his passion for uh, um, workplace well-being, my passion for learning and kind of doing things a different way when it comes to corporations and just education and learning in general, we decided to combine forces. Right. And I have to say, this is one thing we, we, you know, usually people don't recommend to do is don't go into business with your friends. And we've been friends for six years right. before we actually decided to go into business together. And it's working out fine, by the way. That's good. <laughs> but, that's so, good. So that's, that's kind of um, how, how we got into Bestern. Right. Okay. But there's the best, if I'm right, there's something before, was it Bloom? Something, uh, was it Bloom that we, yeah. and, was, yeah. just because I, when I was looking at your sort of, your background, so forth, I thought that was actually quite an interesting point as well, because that was, again, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that, was that focused on that younger, um, the younger generation from that side of things? Just tell me yeah. a little bit about it. Yeah. yeah, sure. So when I started, um, when I made the jump, what I started initially with is um, kind of consulting role. Um, so consulting, coaching, and um, trainings. Right. So this is where I worked with universities as well. So this is where the initial idea of Bloom Youth um, came about because, again, my pain point at universities, and I realized there was a big disconnect. And I always knew I wanted to do something with education and youth. I just wasn't couldn't really pinpoint what it was. So that's why Bloom Youth kind of came uh came earlier before Bestern. And then so now Bloom Youth is essentially under Bestern. So we're like Bestern is the is the mother company. And then we have right. different offerings and products under that. Um, but yeah, so Bloom Youth is a, is a big part of Bestern. This is where we work specifically with, with youth, with universities, with high school students. So really kind of like 16 and above, mm-hmm. uh, helping them close that gap and, and really just help helping them not end up in situations that so many middle level professionals are in right now, which is they're completely disengaged. They're not satisfied with what they're doing. They have no idea how they got there. Then, you know, a lot of people pursue um, uh, jobs just because they got a degree in a particular area, even though by the time they graduate the four year studies, they don't even like the major anymore, but they feel like they don't have a choice. Mm. So that's kind of that. That's 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 the, the real passion for me is to help students find their way at an earlier age, I guess, or youth versus waiting to, you know, to late thirties, early forties to kind of find that, because I feel like there's, yeah. there's, there's so much opportunity for that right now. So. Absolutely. I think, and the, the reason why I sort of draw, drew you back to that is because I think it's so important for some of the other work that I do with young people around cyber safety and cyber bullying prevention is that right now, especially, and, and has been for a long time, the ability to have somebody or some organization that they can go to, to actually ask the questions that are just not being answered or not even being asked in, in some of the educational establishments that they're part of. I think it's integral to, to the future to stop that 
the only word I can think of is that waste of time between, you know, that 16, 18, 19, 20 to 35, where you're doing stuff just because I think I should be doing this, or I got a degree in it, or whatever it is, rather than, you know, what, oh, if somebody just asked me a couple of different questions, or shown me that I could do something related to the things I really love, then I'd pursue that. But Everything that I've got so far seems to suggest I can't do that. That's not a, a job. I couldn't make a living doing that. Everybody around me is telling me that's that's not a viable option. I think it's really, really important uh, for, for young people to be able to actually turn to somebody and say, okay, well, help me a little bit. And and, and to back to your own personal situation of that, that question at 19, it's like, well, I don't know. I don't know where I want to go or what I want to do. It hasn't really been in my plan up until now of that. I've just been going through the motions, which a lot of us have. There's a, well, I go to this school and I do these level of exams and then I go and do this and then maybe I'm going to go to university or I'm going to go do something else. But there wasn't too much of a, a dialogue or conversation around this. It was more like do this, do that, go here, and then you'll get a good job. And again, whatever a good job is, um, you know, in terms of description. So it's, it's really interesting that that was your your sort of crossover initially and then it's fallen under this this umbrella of of Besson and so maybe um from from that side of things to tell us a bit more about the the collaboration with you and your business partner how Besson became a reality um from 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 that beginning with with Bloom as well sure and and actually I kind of want to back up on the Bloom part um you know what's um what what's frustrating to me, I guess, is that um, well, listen. To be fair to the career advisors at universities, when we're talking about large institutions that have 20, 30, 40,000 students, mm-hmm. um, the career counselors are usually working with you know hundreds of students. That like one career counselor per you know at least a, at least one hundred and fifty students. I don't have statistics off the top of my head, but it's a huge number. So you can't you cannot really. Um, devote that kind of time and in addition to that the career counselor is not it's not their only job so it's not their specialty to be a career counselor they're usually under the larger umbrella of student affairs which then kind of takes them away from other things so it's just not feasible so to be fair to the universities it's almost not feasible nor are they um, uh, really professionals that understand what happens in the corporate world so there's a big disconnect between universities and corporate so those two don't even talk to each other like if you look at what's happening in our education system like in the us and even parts of the middle east you feel there's no communication so to be fair there's you know it's not just on the on the on the career counselor side but so anyway and then on top of that parents you know same with my parents right so and 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 then parts like the uae where there's a lot of expat communities we don't know what we don't know our parents don't always know what what's available what's out there they don't know what's happening in the in the in the in the job market necessarily when i do different events with university students and even their parents and i ask well how many of you actually look into reports of what does the future of work look like what is the future of your particular area or industry is going to look like many people don't even look at those reports Right. Just to, to get an idea of like, hey, like what's what is going to be hot and trendy? How am I going to make sure I'm still competitive and I have a job X number of years from now? We cannot predict what it's going to look like per se specifically, but you can get an idea. You get an idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and so so uh, so. And then in addition to that, not everybody needs to go to a four-year institution. Not everybody has to do that. It really depends on various factors. So that's where like, you know, that's where I feel that. There's a huge kind of um, opportunity for for the youth because that's the that's our future. Like, what are we 
doing as educators, as institutions, and even as corporations? Because, and to shift towards better and, and corporations, the biggest problem we have right now is talent. That is one of the biggest problems globally. I was just in Colombia last week speaking at a, at a forum and it was all about kind of performance and well-being in corporations. And I can tell you, I've been speaking on these topics in Asia, in Middle East, in America, and now South North America, now South America. I can tell you it's the same challenge across board, right? right. And then another big challenge that we have in organizations today is disengagement. So, of course, Gallup does these beautiful reports in terms of the status of the workforce, global workforce. And continuously, at least for the last three, four years, for a fact, I know this, when you look at their reports, you look that the only percentage of individuals that is engaged is 20 to 23 percent. So you take a global workforce of employees working in corporations, about 20 to 23 percent are engaged consistently over the last few years, at least. That means... 80, it's a lot of people that are not. <laughs> 80% are disengaged. And what do we mean by engaged versus disengaged? Is somebody who comes to work, they are there, they are present, they are excited to be there, they come up with solutions, they're creative, they're sharing their knowledge, etc. Disengaged meaning clock in, clock out, you're there, you're kind of refreshing your little checkbox on, on, on Teams channel, you're online, you're doing the bare minimum not to get fired. And on top of that, out of those 80%, at least one third or so are doing something to um, damage the reputation of the company, meaning that they're actually doing, maybe talking bad things about the company outside of the workforce. Maybe they're not treating clients correctly, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a big problem. And so, and I feel like a lot of the solution is at that earlier stage, right? So when you, yeah. because the, the reason that we're disengaged is because we're choosing the wrong majors. If, and if we choose the right major, we change our mind and we forgot that it's okay to change your mind. And instead of, you know, thinking, oh, I spent four years studying something. If you change your mind, perfectly fine, but let's find a way of how to get you to actually where you want to yeah. work and the type of work you want to do. So, so that's one part of the solution. But another part of the solution, the reality is today we have a lot of people that are, that are in organizations that are working, that are not performing at their best. They're not taking care of their, their well-being. They are very distracted and disconnected and stressed out and burnt out, essentially. So mm -hmm. that's where the collaboration with Bestern came about. Because my business partner story, which I didn't mention, is he hit a burnout. He was working right. very high-level position, very highly paid all the benefits, all the all the beauty that goes with being in a high-level position at a huge multinational, burnt out, just burnt out to a point where it affected him physically and mentally. At that point, he said, no more. And so now his mission is to say, how can I help people like myself who are senior leaders yeah. avoid that? So that's where the collaboration came. And, and we've been, of course, after we've been friends for years, we always talk about these topics at a dinner table. And then we said, listen, why are we doing this? So this is how we came together. So these are the two kind of problems that we're solving based on our own stories and also just our experience kind of in the world and globally. He's also spent his life um, uh, working in different parts of the world. So, and I can tell you challenges are the same when it comes to corporates yeah. and education. So before we get into the actually ins and outs of what Besson is doing in, to help, is that how, just a, the final question on this, is that from the from the, the, the last discussion over dinner about why are we not doing this, how long was it until it was like, right, it's done. We're, 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 a, we're a, an organization, we're registered, we're legal, we're, we're doing this. What was that, that time period? Uh, not long. It was just like mm. um, 
don't know, a, a, a few weeks because we, we already collaborate. We were already collaborating as like two individual parties, but right. then to combine forces, um, to combine forces, it just took like a few weeks to make it official okay. because we were kind of, because he also had a different partner at that time that wasn't working out. So there was like a little breakup period on that side. And then, so, so, and then, and then I, I, I came on board. So there was, so it was just, um, just a few weeks really, but we already kind of knew it was more of just like, okay, let's, let's put a, a an entity together and, and right. kind of you know, go 50, 50 on this. Okay. Yeah, no, it's good. It's, I always ask the question because sometimes it's a, you know, there's a, a decision that's made and then it's one year, two years of umming and ahhing and doing it. But it sounds like so you had pretty much a lot of it in place already. It was just a, a formalization, I guess, from that, that period. Yeah. yeah, we were already doing things individually. We were already like, it's not like we still had to leave our jobs or anything. We were already mm. out there. We were doing things. We were doing complementary things and we were already collaborating and having these discussions kind of as as two separate parties and then we just decided to kind of combine forces officially right so. was, was it just out of interest was there a, a specific reason for that rather than continuing as two organizations delivering complementary services was there a was there a a, a a real benefit to doing that from your guys perspective or what was the thinking behind that um you know uh, the beautiful part is we're complete opposites him right. and i and we had such complementary skills to each other that it just made sense. And so, so his wife, in fact, has recognized this in us for a long time. And he was like, you guys would be perfect as business partners because we're such different, uh, two different ways of thinking. He's a very technical, very science, very like structured guy. He is very much introverted. He doesn't want to speak not that much in public, you know, versus me. I'm like, let's go market, let's go yeah. sell, let's go talk, <laughs> you know, et cetera. But I, we could, we, we realized that we had strengths that, um, uh, that complemented each other's weaknesses. So it just made sense in that, in that way. And we were, so I was a solopreneur, which I don't recommend personally. It works for some people. It doesn't work for others. Uh, in my case, I needed somebody that had the, that kind of uh, science tech mindset because it's not, it's just not the way my brain operates. Um, and, for, and on his side, he needed somebody like me, I guess, as well. So we just kind of, we just worked. We just worked well together. And we're, you know, same passion, different personalities, different approach to the way we work. And it just works. That's awesome. That's great. And they, I mean, they do say, you know, actually when you get into businesses, find somebody who's not the same as you, because if you find someone that's the same as you, you're going to think the same way and then you're going to miss things. Or um, in my case as well, it's actually having somebody that's there to, or also hold me accountable to certain things that I, I go off on, on one and think about this, that, and the other. And then my business partner's like, hang on, come back here. <laughs> we, we need to sort this out first. And you're like, oh yeah, that's good. And, and so it's, it's great that you, you, you found somebody that, that you can do that with. It's uh, hopefully a, a fruitful partnership for, for many, many more years to come. So with that in mind, tell us a bit more about it. Tell us a bit more about Best and we know how it's formed what it is, but tell us what is it? What is it that you're really helping everybody with? Sure. So um, Bestern actually means to improve in German. That's another interesting point to mention. So um, means to improve in German. And we essentially just help people build essential skills, mindsets, 
uh, for growth and resilience to, to really perform at their best at work. And the way we do this is through a combination of technology, behavior science, and individualized learning. So as I was saying earlier, when it comes to education, uh, the, the way we learn and even our own career growth, it's a very cookie cutter approach. Mm -hmm. But the future of learning is individualized. The future of learning is tailored. And I'm not talking about just kind of these, you know, LMS, the learning management systems that companies have in place. And it's like, well, you can learn whatever you want at your own time. It's overwhelming for individuals mm -hmm. when you have access to all this data. And frankly speaking, with access to information and knowledge today on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on just the internet, if people really, if it was that easy, they would learn. But it's not, that's not the challenge. The challenge is not with the access or the topics or information. The challenge is the way we learn. So this is where the behavior piece comes in. And so everything that we do with Bessern, and we do this in different ways. So we do this in live sessions. We do this in self-guided sessions through the application. And we also have individual um, conversations or coaching sessions with individuals as well at the comfort of their home, et cetera, because it's all virtual. So with that being said, the biggest challenge people have today is not kind of um, access to information, as I've mentioned, but it's, 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 it's how do you make time in a world where we're continuously uh, running, we're distracted. How do you actually create a space to be a continuous learner? And so this is where the behavior change and the habit methodology, the habit creation methodology comes in, where we say, listen, you don't really need to spend X number of hours learning something. You just need to allocate five to 10 minutes a day on this right. thing that you want to learn. Right. So and right now, the, the way the way learning is done today, particularly we're talking about like human skills, the mindset, the, the soft skills that you need to succeed tomorrow, not necessarily hard skills. Right. Sure. But so when we're talking about these human skills, which a big part of it is that psychological well-being in terms of, you know, making sure you're not burnt out, et cetera. So uh, micro learnings really works well. So, for example, Right now, the learning is done, traditional training. Two days, you go into a room, six to eight hours a day, you're in a room with a group of people, 20, let's say a typical training, 20 people, mid-level professionals or maybe managers learning on a topic of, I don't know, uh, emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Everybody in that room, no matter what the corporation, the HR will tell you, everybody in that room is going to be at a different level when it comes to emotional intelligence sure. skills. <laughs> yep. It's especially if we're talking about specific, um, you know, if we're talking about managers, depending on backgrounds and where they come from. Emotional intelligence is not an easy topic to discuss. It's not a topic you do in a group setting. So we put people in the room. We spend two days. We expect them to all of a sudden be kind of emotionally intelligent after two days and apply it on their own. And then they leave and then there's no ROI. And this is the biggest issue right now with learning. There's no ROI. Well, that's because. Uh, a, people don't learn in that setting. It's not individualized. It's not tailored for them. There's no feedback loop. So there's no conversation that's happening on an individual basis. And on top of that, seven days after any training, uh, sorry, uh, one, yeah, one week after every training, only 7% of information is actually retained. Yeah, so that's not a lot. <laughs> So what are we doing? Do you know what I mean? So, um, so, so, so that's a, that's a problem, and that's still how it's done. Um, we see more and more organizations um, in the West, as well as, of course, in, in different uh, different organizations in Dubai, that are shifting towards that micro learning approach and kind of habit methodology and things like that. 
But still what's missing and what's becoming, what we see is becoming more and more important is that individual conversation is having somebody to have, to have a soundboard to discuss certain mm-hmm. challenges with somebody, particularly as it comes to their career growth, their performance. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lonely world in a corporate world right now. So loneliness is one of the biggest challenges corporations have as well. And so just to kind of make a final point here, what, what we do differently is that we don't, we don't um, distinguish between performance and well-being. And we don't talk about well-being in a sense of like yoga or, you know, going to the gym. Well-being is much more than that. Well-being has different dimensions. Your well-being is your emotional well-being. How connected are you to your team members? Your psychological well-being. Do you feel that you have the safety in your organization? Do you feel safe to speak up? Do you feel safe and secure in your job? Right. Well-being is your career well-being. Do you feel you're progressing towards your goals? Uh, well-being is your financial well-being. Is your is what you're doing for your job adding to your value and your purpose in your life, or are you just there for a paycheck? which is okay as well. But the point is that unless we address all of these different things, you cannot have a person who is not doing well on these different areas and have them be at their best, have them be curious, creative, perform well, and deliver business value. It's very difficult because mm-hmm. they're disconnected on different levels. So that's how that's what we, we really focus is all these different aspects of well-being. We make it individualized. We use technology to, to make it affordable and accessible for all. It's amazing. And I think, like you say, it's something that's so, so required. The, uh, the last couple of years has perhaps shown a light on the fact that there is, uh, I mean, if people weren't lonely before, they're lonelier now having to work from home and so forth. But actually, the the human connection through technology is a huge, huge uh, part of, I think, everybody's personal growth moving forward as well. Out of interest, how long would, would somebody engage with Besson then? Because obviously, this, from what you're saying, this is not a do a course and you're done. This has got to be something that's from a much more longer term perspective. So how long are people engaged with you guys for on average, if that's a valid question? Sure. So we have, we run these programs that are about six weeks. So Hmm. what happens during the six weeks programs, this is kind of the standard. So what happens during the six weeks is that once a week, they have a live session that is just an hour, an hour and a half max. It is a group session, but then in between, so in between each session, so the seven days in between each session, what they have is interactions in the application. So it's, they have different uh, actions and kind of um, tracking that they have to do an engagement inside the application like little um, actions they have to do basically that are five to seven minutes every day, only five to seven minutes around the particular area that's important to the individual. So the in-app interactions where the individualized piece comes in. In addition to that, if they get stuck on something, they can message one of our coaches on the platform anytime, anywhere, essentially. So, so they can just, when they get stuck at something or they feel like they just need to have a chat with somebody, they can have access. So they do this. So that interaction, that six weeks, is an interaction of every day, five to seven minutes a day minimum, depending on kind of uh, how much you want to take away from the application. You can do more, but we say just five to seven minutes. It's all you really need to work on a particular skill. And then in between that, of course, you have access to talk to somebody. Um, and so what we see that is that they're able to not only learn something, but they're applying it. Our job is not to is not to lecture. Our job is to help them apply the learning because again, it's individualized, right? So, and when we're talking about like human skills and these soft skills, 
for the future. It's, it's truly about just helping people create new routines and habits to help them solidify this and apply it in their work and their life. Majority of the people, we, we understand about managing our emotions, but it's about how do I make sure that I do it every day? What are the things that I need to do? So we help them create a system that works for them and keep them accountable through the application on a daily basis. So it's like a habit loop that they have to, to kind of, so and that usually six weeks, the programs. Fantastic. No, that's, that's, uh, it, it sounds amazing, actually, in terms of, and, and so required right now for a vast majority. And if the statistics are to believe for actually 80 plus percent of people need this right now, um, and the benefit to the organizations that they work for is obviously that they have engaged employees who are there to actually um, not just pick up the paycheck, but to contribute, to be creative, to innovate, which I also think is a, a word that's used too often. But it's, it's something that you want from your employees is them to think slightly differently and say, well, why do we do it like this? And what if we did it like that? But they're not going to do that if they're not engaged because it's like, well, I don't really care as long as I can come in and you know, say, click, tick the box, click the click the link and then leave at the end of the day. I'm, I'm air quotes, working. So I'm all good there. So I think it's something that uh, is, is required. And I think that it will it will add massive value to, to, to many people. It, it comes across in your... Um, in just listening to you, how how passionate and how enthusiastic you are about this, because I, you, you can see and obviously have seen over the years the benefit that you're providing to to people. Just from, from that side of things, how do you keep yourself? I was going to say recommend a resource, but I'm going to say that you should recommend Besson, and I'm going to recommend Besson as the resource that people should go to for their own betterment. But as an individual, as an entrepreneur, as, as the co-founder of an organization, are there any things that you fall back on yourself just to... To, to maintain focus, to keep you going, to keep you uh, moving down that path that you've chosen? Yeah. So listen, one of the most important things um, that just for me works like magic is exercise. I right. am a, um, a, a, a gym rat. Is that what they call them? What are they called? <laughs> yeah. Whatever yeah. they call it, whatever is that saying? But yeah, so I, I, I have to get my physical activity in, even if it's just a walk or something. I, I think that is one of the most contributing aspects of mental well-being for me right. is um is the physical activity so that's number mm -hmm. one always i i never make, make difficult decisions unless unless i actually go for a walk or go do a little hit workout or go boxing or something so that's a must um in addition to that what i very much enjoy is listening to individuals that are future focused so we're all about kind of future of learning and future of organizations and how can we help people better succeed? And for me, as, as I mentioned earlier, how do I prepare the youth for the future? So anybody that talks about the future that has some really substantial kind of information and knowledge, I'm all ears. One of the, um, one of the uh, people I follow is um, Tim Ferriss. Of course, I love Tim Ferriss stuff. So if you, yeah. I, I, he's a very, he's a, he's a pretty standard, but I love his work because I like to hear stories of him interviewing other people. And I think biographies are a great way to learn from mm -hmm. others. I also very much enjoy the um, uh, future strategist, John Sene. So they have, uh, he's actually um, from South Africa, but he's now he's kind of in between there and Dubai as well. So he has a podcast, it's called Expansive with him and Eric Kruger, and they talk about really interesting stuff. And I think that they're one of the ones that kind of do something different when it comes to future of work, future of organization. So I really enjoy their podcast. They keep me on my toes. Um, 
I, I like to read entrepreneurship stuff. So for any of your listeners who are in that startup world or kind of starting a business, a guy I highly recommend on YouTube is um, the founder, the CEO of Slidebean, uh, Slidebean platform, but his name is Kaya and he has a ton of videos and highly recommend for anybody starting a business. Very useful, very practical stuff. Cool. And yeah, so that's the, these are kind of my go-to. I also recommend a book. I'm looking at it now. It's called The Messy Middle. The Messy Middle by Scott, um, can't see, Belsky? Scott Belsky. So The Messy okay. Middle is all about entrepreneurship. One of the most brilliant books I have ever came across. It keeps it real. It's practical. It's There's no BS. It's, it's very, very good. So so I I, I, st- I mean, I stay in tune with, with these kind of um, individuals and... Um, and I, but I listen to a ton of things as well. So. Yeah, I think that's it. We all, I think we do tend to listen to a load of stuff, especially when you're thinking about your business and what to do and how to do and everything. But it's also really great to have, you know, people like yourself with those specific nuggets of ones. And there's something there that I've not heard of, so I'm going to be. We'll a we'll link to them in in our in our post on this, but also I'll be going to check out the YouTube channel and a couple of podcasts there just to uh, broaden my horizons as well, because I think sometimes we can with the technology these days everything is actually bringing your your you feel the vision closer and closer together because the algorithms are working to serve you what they think that you want and that can sometimes mean that you're only seeing content from one or two people who may be involved in the startup space or entrepreneurship or learning but actually i'd like to see a much wider picture uh, and yeah. sometimes uh, the internet whilst an incredible brilliant tool that it also um you have to be aware of how it's working for you to then say you know what well, actually i need to step back a bit here and then being able to listen to people like yourself and just go okay that was the book she mentioned i'm going to read that book that was the podcast i'm going to go on to that one and then hopefully broaden our horizons that way as well so um i really really appreciate that and i really appreciate you taking the time as well to come and join us on the podcast it's i know that you are super busy and in a completely different time zone uh, to where we are at the moment, but um, hoping that our paths will cross in in person as well, maybe uh, in the next month. So it just remains for me to say thank you again. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And to everybody listening, thank you very much for tuning in. As always, if there's anyone else that you would like us to talk with or about, send us an email at wishlist at swanglinies.rocks. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinies with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.